Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Shirelli. Yes, I know what you're thinking. Where's Tim? Well, Tim's taking a well-earned break from podcast host duties just for the moment, and he's passed the reins over to me for this very special series. Late last year, OIO ran the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2020. We were inundated with almost 200 applications from 38 countries and were blown away by the incredible breadth and quality of ideas and ventures that applied, all trying to make a positive impact on planet Ocean. Over the next couple of months, we'll be interviewing each of the PitchFest 2020 finalists. We'll dive into the challenge and opportunity areas that each of the finalists are working on, find out about their unique solution and discuss the key challenges and learnings they've encountered on their journey so far. We'll also discuss their why, their motivation for working towards a healthy ocean, what the road ahead looks like for them, and how you, the listener, might be able to support their journey. First cab off the rank this week is our inaugural winner of the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest, Planet Protector Packaging. Planet Protector used waste from the wool industry to create insulated packaging solutions that replace those horrible expanded polystyrene or EPS boxes that are so prevalent in our refrigerated goods supply chains. To date, they've replaced almost 7 million polystyrene boxes from being produced and ultimately making their way into our ocean and environment. Over the last few months, I've had the absolute pleasure of getting to know Planet Protector CEO and founder, Joanne Howarth. Joanne's a real dynamo with a burning passion to put an end to polystyrene waste. She has a big vision, dogged determination, and she's one of the warmest, most down-to-earth people that you could meet. I hope you enjoy this discussion with Joanne Howarth on our first episode of the Ocean Impact Podcast, PitchFest 2020 series. Hi, Joe, and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast, the PitchFest 2020 Meet the Finalists series. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here. And a big congratulations, firstly, for being our inaugural winner of the Ocean Impact PitchFest. Yes, it's so exciting. Team Planet Protector were just overwhelmed. We saw so many great contestants doing remarkable things. We really didn't even think we had a chance. So it was a wonderful surprise when we learned that we'd won. Uh, we were very, very happy to see you take it out, Joe. And um, the the feedback from the the judges was um, was fantastic. It was it was um, uh, there was very strong support from the judges for Planet Protector as the winner. And and I think you should be very proud of the entry that that you and the team put in, and for um, the state of play of Planet Protector, what you're trying to do, and and where you're at. So, um, again, a big congratulations from Tim and I and, and the um, the Ocean Impact Organisation team. Fantastic. Let's um, let's let's spend a bit of time. So we we we're, in, we're talking today, and we want to let the listeners know more about Planet Protector. Um, let's dive straight into it. Tell us a little bit about Planet Protector. Tell us about your your mission, the problem you're solving, and uh, the Woolpack technology. Sure. So um, my story, well, first of all, I should say we're on a mission to eliminate polystyrene, polystyrene in supply chains. So we, we, we like to say 
that we're in a race to become the market leader in sustainable thermal packaging that doesn't harm the planet. So for 60 years, when you're shipping pharmaceuticals, food, seafood, polystyrene has been the go-to and um, it's dominated the market. It works and it's really not until we came up with our product that there is a viable alternative. So wool, by its very nature, is the, the best natural insulator on the planet. And so what we've done is borrow from nature and we've leveraged the thermal properties of wool just as it keeps the sheep warm in winter, so too it keeps them cool in summer. And we've borrowed that, modified it slightly, kept it in a natural form and turned it into a product that actually outperforms polystyrene. So it's amazing. Um, yeah, and so our journey began five years ago now, Nick, where we had a business and um, I was contracted to Australia's leading meal kit service provider. And they wanted somebody to set up. My background had always been in food. They wanted to set up their operation here in Australia. And we were retained to pick and pack their boxes and manage their logistics. And so we started with them when they were shipping just 400 meal kits every week. And they were fast to grow. And as they grew, so too did the volume of polystyrene. So all of the ingredients, the meat, the seafood, the vegetables, everything would arrive at our warehouse, massive warehouse. We had the size of a football field and 170 full-time staff. And what would happen is then they would deliver us more polystyrene to repack and dispatch it all around the country. So we worked with them for three years and we were packing up to 55,000 polystyrene boxes going all around Australia every week. And my story, I guess, is one of being an offender. Like I was part of the problem until I started to look for a sustainable alternative. And um, after many months of research, scouring the globe, looking for something that wasn't plastic and that would give the good insulation, I was inspired by some work that had been done in Europe and that triggered my thoughts towards wool and how we could develop an innovation that could, you know, withstand the long, hot summer days and, um, you know, be able to replace polystyrene. And that's how our story came about. That was five years ago. And um, it was two, two years in planning the business. And we've actually been operational now for three years. That's excellent. I, I love that. I love that part, Joe, where you... Um what was the word you use? You've turned offender to uh, ocean warrior. Yes, I am. I'm a waste warrior, Nick. Now, a waste warrior. <laughs> a waste warrior. Yeah. And that's sure. right. I mean, there's there's nothing better than having someone um, tackle a problem that's got extensive experience with the problem firsthand. So you have experience, but you've also got you know firsthand motivation to go after it. That's fantastic. Oh, like we felt like we were single handedly destroying the planet. You know, I had a dedicated roster of forklift drivers managing the inflow and outflow of polystyrene. So it's, it's an $18 billion global industry. And, you know, it's so important. The world is in such a waste crisis. And often when we talk about plastics, polystyrene is omitted. 
Um, you know, we talk about single-use plastics and straws and everything, but polystyrene is actually one of the worst types of plastic. And the way it breaks down, like it's made out of non-renewable fossil fuels, it takes 500 years to break down, if in fact it ever does. And the way it's being ingested, it makes its way to the ocean, it's ingested by marine life and moving up the food chain. I read something just a couple of weeks ago where they found um, polystyrene fragments in human organs at autopsy. Like, it's, it's a threat to our health. So everybody, you know, my philosophy, and, and this is the mantra, we can't do everything, but we can all do something. And that's why I, I want to live what I believe, and that's the way I we operate. It. Yeah. I love it, Joe. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's interesting the plastic problem. I mean, it's it's it it's garnered a lot more um, mainstream attention over the last few years. But um, I, I saw recently we started talking about you know moving away from the impact on marine life to you know getting the last people across the line to the problem. Well, if the impact on marine life didn't work, how can we get them across? And seeing things out there now about that the what is it? The average person consumes a credit card worth of uh, of plastic. Um, was it within a within a year or, or a, a some time span? Oh. I mean, it's 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 horrendous. And, th and those stories are continuing to come out now as we get more and more um, as we understand the problem more and, and we and more studies come out. The impact on human health. You would expect um, the findings are only going to become worse and worse as we as we understand the problem more. And I think, too, that COVID has been an opportunity for everybody to reset, to really reevaluate the way that we're living and, and everything. It's not sustainable. And, um, you know, so we can all do something. And I think that we'll see that, you know, the next generations are driving the change. And interestingly, in business, um, you know, I get very angry, Nick, <laughs> very angry with businesses that plaster sustainability all across their website and they masquerade that they really care. But at the end of the day, they're shipping thousands of polystyrene boxes each week. And I look at it that we're almost doing the work that the government should be doing. I really think that polystyrene is at the stage now. It's not recyclable, not recycled. Less than 30% of polystyrene in Australia that's manufactured, less than 30% goes to recycling. So it's not enough to talk about recycling anymore. We need to stop the manufacture of these problematic materials. Yeah. Absolutely. Joe, tell us a little bit more about the specific applications. So you have the, you've talked about wool being this fantastic material and being a replacement for uh, polystyrene. Talk us through that. I mean, because you, you're not making the boxes um, uh, that the polystyrene boxes that you're replacing, you're actually replacing the insulation material, right? Correct. So polystyrene is, you know, a dense, it's a wall and it's got structural integrity. What our product is, is two interlocking liners that cover the internal walls of an outer carton. So you can use our product, whether you want to use it for insulation or cushioning, but all you do is pop the liners inside the box and they, they provide the insulation. So there is some resistance. 
sometimes with businesses, high volume businesses that are um, grabbing a polystyrene box and putting a fish inside. Um, for our product, there does need to be some minor tweaks on the production line, but very insignificant. And when you look at, so that is our core technology. This is, you know, and it's patented. It took us more than 12 months to refine our proprietary blend of fibres to give optimum performance. So we work with our clients and we understand their supply chain. Our primary target markets are food, seafood and pharmaceuticals. And everybody has a different temperature profile at which they need to keep their product during transit. You know, we ship chemotherapy, IVF, um, cosmeceuticals like Botox. We're shipping um, lobsters. We've just, and so what we do is we use that technology to develop an a industry specific solution, whether it's for seafood and it needs water resistance and leak proof, those sort of different variables. And so then we come up with all of these different industry offerings that overcome all the pain points. Yeah. Gotcha. And what sort of temperatures can you can you um, get down to? Well, it, we're shipping. We've just um, last year we won DHL as a client. That was a very big win for us. That was the first big global one. Since then, we've acquired Blackmores and more recently Baxter Pharmaceuticals. So pharmaceuticals ship between two and eight degrees. Sometimes they don't want the box to be too cold because it affects the efficacy of the drugs. Um, so it depends on the product. Um, over the last three months, we've been working on a COVID vaccine protector, which, as I'm sure you've read in the news, um, it needs to be shipped at minus 70 degrees. Now, that is a ginormous ask. A regular freezer is at tw minus 20 degrees. So this drug needs to be at minus 70. And I'm pleased to say we've achieved that and we've just patented our COVID protector solution. Wow. So that's pretty amazing. That is amazing. Uh, minus 70? Sorry, did I hear right? Minus 70. Minus 70, yes. So, but for other people, like we have um, a lobster protector and we worked with the lobster industry across Australia and New Zealand to, to come across what were their problems. Their problems were that the lobsters, they, they travel and they're still live. So a live lobster travelling in a polystyrene box, it's in plastic all the time and they have huge mortality rates. So the challenge for us was to develop a solution 100% plastic free so that the lobsters don't die in transit. That's fantastic. I was actually um, personally quite chuffed the other day. I got home from work and um, my wife's a nutritionist and she does um, a lot of uh, vitamin orders for uh, herself and friends and family and so forth and uh, wholesale. And um, normally this, this company that she buys from, that would you believe every time we receive an order, it comes inside a box with some plastic around the outside and then within that, they actually provide a little um, portable esky bag. So think yeah. a, an insulated cooler with a zipper on it. And so I've got this cupboard at home where we must have about 12 of these little bags that would probably fit about a six pack of, of beers to 
give you the context. Yes. Um, every time an order would come in, it, it would use one of these. I got home the other day and it looks like they're using your, well, it doesn't look like they were using your product and they've replaced that esky, uh, that, that, um, that insulated that's, bag. That's fantastic. And what you need to do, Nick, is you need to get your wife to ring them up and congratulate them on that decision because all of these little things that we're doing and the change is being driven by end users and by consumers and so businesses are not just reporting financially anymore, they need to report against their sustainability goals and it's the end users that are driving the change. You know, people are accountable for their corporate social responsibility. So if we can all give positive feedback, you know, I receive emails all the time from different friends and colleagues and even people that I've passed, you know, in government, just passed ways with, and they say, oh, my God, I just received a food box and it's wrapped in your product in wool. It's amazing. And um, that's really, it gives you a lot of positive sentiment and confidence that we're really on the track and we're really going to accelerate our impact and grow very big. That's, you know. That's great. Yeah. Bianca, if you're listening, you you heard from Joe there, you need to get in touch with that company and give them some positive feedback. Absolutely. So yeah. Couldn't, and she couldn't needs agree to, more. to give us heads up of who else we need to approach to get them on board too. I'll, I'll, I'll take her home some homework tonight, um, Thanks, Joe. Nick. That's right. Good on you. <laughs> no, no problem at all. Yeah. Um, look, um, so that we covered off, a, you know, we obviously we're aware of the problem you're solving. I mean, polystyrene, we're all aware of how pervasive and horrible this this product is and it is everywhere. Um, you know, what you're doing around getting rid of it is fantastic. Um I'm super excited about the possibility of, of using your technology in any COVID vaccine uh, that would be distributed because I can only imagine how horrible uh, the polystyrene and, and, oh. and other plastic um, uh, solutions would be uh, otherwise. So best of luck for um, your ambitions there. Um, very supportive of that. Thank um, you. Yeah. You know, we've touched on your why. It, uh, you know, it's great to, to, to turn from a fender to a warrior. Um, let's spend a little bit of time now, if you don't mind, talking about some of um, the key achievements and maybe some of the challenges as well. Uh, you know, these can be product-related. It can be uh, uh, generic to a startup and, and an operation of your size. What are some of those things that you're proud of, Um and what are the you know what are the key challenges that you've that you've overcome? Wow, that's a very big question. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> challenges I could talk all day on those. I think the biggest learning as an entrepreneur is that resilience is paramount. Resilience in having a good culture can get you through anything. So, um, as much as I'm the leader of our organisation. I'm not on this journey alone. I have a team of passionate people, um, most of whom you met in the video. We had such fun making our Ocean Impact video. Um, yeah, and so our values are very aligned. And I think that when you're working with like-minded people and you're on a mission, it's much easier. Challenges? Today Joe, can I just jump in for a moment there and just provide a little bit of insight into uh, into that for the listeners? Um, so 
the, the first time that uh, Joe and I spoke after um, Planet Protector won Pitchfest, we had a little bit of a deep dive conversation and I recall asking you about your team. What did your team look like? And, and I was really asking from the point of view of, you know, how many people, what positions, where are they located to get an idea of the size um, of your operations. And, and Joe, you might recall, but I think probably 25 minutes later, you were telling me about every single employee their name, their partner's name, their backstory. And it was so clear that you were really, you know, really, really invested in all of the people in 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 your organization and really proud of them. And um, you know, that it's it's more than just you at Planet Protector. So I thought I might just share that. It's it's um no, a it's testament fantastic. to you and the people you have. We're a team, and you know what? We lunch together every day. We sit around a big table. We all have a chat. Like it, it's a, it's a great team. So it's not like coming to work, but there are external challenges that make it somewhat, um, you know. Well, that's what business is. Cash flow is always an issue with startups, um, and because we're so heavily vested in R and D, every cent that we've made and we've generated to date, fourteen million dollars in revenues, and we've replaced. 7 million polystyrene boxes in supply chains. So, you know, we're, we're starting to get traction and have some impact. Um, we've um, generated revenues to farmers of $5 million because the wool we use is waste wool and it was going to landfill. So we feel very proud of the fact that we're supporting often drought-stricken Aussie farmers. But day-to-day, -day, Nick, there's the usual challenges. And I think the biggest challenge that I really underestimated is how long it takes for this to really gain the traction that I thought it would. And sometimes when I sort of sit and I get exasperated and everything, I'm very inspired by a man who's on my advisory board. He's the president of the World Packaging Organisation. His name is Professor Pierre Pinar. And he travels all over the world and sees all sorts of innovations. And he said in his 35 years of being in packaging, he's never seen such a simple solution that has the impact to change the world. And he always says to me when the going gets tough, you're just at 1% of what I know is going to be your potential. And I'm really starting to believe him because um, when you look, Australia and New Zealand together are just 1.3% of the global market for packaging. So if I can make this impact in such a tiny market, Asia is right on my doorstep and it's 43% of the global packaging market. We need to be heading there to make our impact, to really accelerate. And, you know, and like when you look at the fact that the polystyrene comes into the ocean from the waterways, from the rivers and the waterways. And 90% of the polystyrene in the ocean, Nick, comes from 10 rivers. And eight of those rivers are located in Southeast Asia. So I need to be on the next plane over there getting to make it happen. Yeah. So challenges are around growth, we write lots of grant applications. One of the biggest challenges has been the lack of manufacturing in Australia. 
And we have a campaign happening now. We call it the You Beauty, E-W-E, the You Beauty Campaign for Wool, where we're pushing it. And probably it's a great opportunity, good timing, because the government is looking at re-establishing a lot of manufacturing in Australia. And like, as a nation, we have such a strong affinity with wool. We got wealthy off the wool on the sheep's back. And it's, it's unthinkable to think that I have to send my waste wool, the wool that I use in my product, over to China to get washed. Like, look at that with the, the carbon miles, the, the inefficiencies, the time, and not to mention the escalating tensions with China. Mm. So it's really highlighted for me the need that we need to vertically integrate and own our own supply chain. And so a big focus of, of what we're doing at the moment is with a view to setting up our own production facilities here in Australia. We just want a grant, um, a federal government grant, to assist with our expansion into Tasmania. And we've got a lot of demand. We get constant inquiries from really sustainably-minded businesses down there. And they're the food capital of Australia, such beautiful berries and cherries and abalone and seafood and and um, they're very excited to have us there but getting across Bass Strait has proved to be cost prohibitive and the cost of the transport is worth more than the cost of our product so day to day there's all these little challenges and it's very easy to get down and but when you've got a big vision in sight um, you just need to pull yourself together, get up and overcome the hurdles and move on to the next thing. I love it. Joe, tell me, um, you know, what I'm hearing in all of that is, you know, this is Planet Protector with wool pack technology, um, which is polystyrene replacement. But, you know, getting behind Planet Protector packaging is getting behind the wool industry in Australia. It's getting behind manufacturing jobs in Australia. Uh, it's it's reducing carbon miles and everything around it. I mean, there's there's so many elements to this, isn't there, beyond just the packaging uh, packaging solution? It's an incredible story. I love sharing our story, Nick, because I'm so proud of what we're doing. Um, and as you say, like generating jobs in rural communities, strengthening rural communities, like opportunities. And and really, you know, we need to push this this. Um, campaign for wool is a bit of a hobby horse for me at the moment not that I have much spare time <laughs> but um, we're putting together um, through change.org a petition for people to support us with that and um, you know it was interesting the other night Nick I loved your event it was just amazing and like congratulations to you because you've built such a strong ecosystem of really impressive um, you know, people who are passionate and so many people approached us and not for anything other than the fact that they're passionate about what you're doing and they see me as an opportunity to, to collaborate with you and they're wanting to help us. It's like the questions were, how can we help you, Joe? What do you need? And like, you know, and so what I said to them is like anything that they can do to spread the word whether it's that Bianca goes home and writes three emails, 
to three more pharmaceutical companies or whether it's, you know, somebody who's a big investor and connected with a big corporate, you know, they reach out and they say, hey, let's join Planet Protector on this journey. We can all do something. And, um, and that's really, I think, the biggest opportunity for both of us to, to accelerate and, you know, what we do today affects tomorrow. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? You know, increasingly we're seeing that as well. It's not just about coming up with good solutions, uh, particularly when you're targeting impact. You really need to build a, a following and a tribe and and get those people to get, you know, lobby their elected representatives. We need to create, you know, pressure where there is none and, and p- have people demand better outcomes and better solutions. Nick, I was astounded yesterday, like, we're very well um, connected. I think we've badgered the um, Minister Trevor Evans so much. He knows me by name now. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, Joe, what do you want? And yesterday afternoon, the, a, a, an unknown number came up on the mobile phone and it was our local member. Our warehouse is out here in Silverwater and it was the local member for Reed, which is the electorate here, rang to congratulate us on what we're doing and the fact that we won the grant to move into Tasmania. So, like, the government is definitely more in touch. Trevor Evans was horrified. Like, we've been so in touch with him and he was aware of the ocean impact, rang to congratulate us, and he said, look, you're going so well, I need to come and see your manufacturing. Anyway, he said, whereabouts are you? And, um, you know, like, as much as our final stage warehouse is here in Silverwater. A lot of our production is done offshore in New Zealand. Anyway, and he's like, Joe, we have to change this. Like, we're really committed. How much money do you need? And I wish it was that easy that he could write out a cheque tomorrow. But I really think that the government is hearing what people have got to say. I think the war on waste was a real game changer it really elevated the problem in people's minds. And you and I and the good people that we work with, we need to just keep pushing the cause. And one day, hopefully in our lifetime, one day, you know, we will see a big change for sure. Absolutely. I've got, I've got no doubt. I mean, the, the number of people getting behind um, initiatives like yours, Joe, and Ocean Impact Organisation, um, you know, every single day I'm, I'm humbled by the level of support for what we're doing. And I might just actually touch on that uh, that point. You mentioned that you're based at Silverwater. And one of the things that we had um, uh, some difficulty, I suppose, in the very early days impressing upon people was uh, what is ocean impact? And immediately when people heard the term, they would assume that it was marine industries and saltwater-based. And we said, no, 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 we we don't see it that way at all. We see it as an umbrella term to aggregate people around passion, around the ocean and the problems and challenges it's facing. And that impact, positive impact can happen well upstream of saltwater. Yes. Well upstream. And <laughs> and you're a you're a great example of that. Well, we're nowhere near the ocean. On a hot day, it's always six or eight degrees hotter out here in the west. <laughs> so, yeah, we'd love to be close to the ocean, but unfortunately that's not where the action is, yeah. So. Okay. So um, 
Joe, what about the road ahead? So what do what does the next say 12, 24 months look like? What are your what are your key priorities in that time? The road road ahead is very bright. Um, we're at the moment, Nick, in the process of getting investment ready. Um, so we've set ourselves a timeline. We've been working on this for the last three or four months. And um, as a startup, you're always time poor. I'm sure you know the feeling. And um, so we've set ourselves a goal to be ready uh, just before Christmas. And then we'll go off and have a short break, refresh and get ready. And we're looking to raise capital um, towards the end of January, early February. We're looking to raise between five and 10 million to accelerate our growth. And that a lot will fund salespeople having greater sales presence on the ground, accelerating revenue. Um, it will contribute towards the cost of setting up our own facility. And um, part of it will go for our expansion into Asia. As I said before, Asia is where it's all happening. That's where they need us most. And so through, um, through some contacts and, and everything, we've been working on a program um, with UNIDO, which is the development arm of the United Nations. And um, they've got an initiative at the moment that they're trying to support Mongolia. And um, Mongolia, they don't have a lot of natural resources, but they do have 14 million sheep. And um, so they're trying to develop the wool industry over there. And we've been running this um, project, if you like, to look at how we could manufacture and how we could set up a facility there in partnership with Unido to look at how we could supply and that could support our expansion into the whole of Southeast Asia. So we've got multiple projects, but I guess we need money to be able to do them, more people to join the team. Um, to make our workload a little more realistic. Um, and I think we need to move fast, really, to to accelerate things. You know, we, we need to be going very fast. So I think probably 10 million is probably close to the mark. And, and we've had some preliminary discussions with, um, with investors. Um, I was overwhelmed the other night at the number of people at your event that reached out to us and have followed up since. So I'm very excited to start having those discussions and, um, and looking at getting us the right type of strategic partner. As much as I've been a serial entrepreneur and self-employed for most of my working life, um, it's important that we have somebody who's able to broker those introductions, you know, yeah, have a presence on the ground there, know what it's like to be dealing in different cultures and environments and, you know, the legal framework and the currency and all of those things. I was very proud, Nick, um, earlier this year, I won the Cartier Women's Initiative, which is a remarkable um, achievement. It's probably my biggest personal achievement. And I was the first ever um, Australian laureate um, to be named, yeah, in this and this initiative supports and empowers female entrepreneurs. And at the time, we won 150,000, which was amazing. But as a startup, that 150,000 was gobbled up very quickly. 
But the big prize was the network and the ecosystem. It's like the big prize in the ocean impact is the introductions that you've been able to make to us. And, like, you know, they're the, they're the partnerships that really help you to grow and elevate your presence and your brand and everything. And um, so, yeah, and Cartier introduced a whole range of different people that I would never have had the opportunity to connect with. So it's it's important for us to be staying connected in this space. It like letters sometimes, a letter came through from Cartier overnight introducing me. I won't say who, but I just looked at it in total disbelief because, you know, they know that we're trying to get the pharmaceutical solution out there and, like, they've got me a meeting with Pfizer. So, you know, like... Fantastic. It's, it's like, incredible. So, um, yeah, so it's just about being out there, working hard, believing in what you're doing, and um, I'm no, I know that we're going to achieve our vision, for sure. I, I have no doubt, Joe. Let me just um, uh, round out that um, point around investment next year. So... Um, maybe give us a little bit of insight into the type of investors you're looking for and just confirm for me um, you've done 14 million of revenue to date and I believe that this will be your first capital raise. It is the first capital raise and when I look at our numbers um, for the last 12 months even during COVID our income is up 50% on what it was last year. So I think that that's a very strong indication of people's belief in what we're doing. Um, COVID, in one way, gave us some opportunities as lots of small businesses pivoted to online um, and they needed insulation products. Equally, it was a challenge because we lost a lot of our seafood revenue that should have been shipped to China when all of the exports closed down. So lobster revenue fell by as much as between 2 and $3 million. Um, so that was a big challenge that you have to... So it, it's a day-to-day -day proposition. But, um, yeah, certainly the... Um, you, you asked me where or, like, how our revenues are on track or... No, I, th yeah. I just made the point that, um, to me, uh, $14 million of revenue banked to date and this being your first capital raise makes... Uh, this future capital raise a fairly attractive proposition for people to look at? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. The fact that we've survived and got to this level, um, and, and I say that lightly, but, you know, if we weren't reinvesting in R&D, like we're developing a garden range, we've got some building insulation, like things, um, you know, like so many opportunities to expand what we're doing, well, we need an investment partner and the type of person, like when you look, that the future really for us to accelerate the impact, we need to be in Asia. So we need maybe an investor who's got an established network or experience in Asia, somebody who's an environmental evangelist, um, somebody who can really head, head up our board and really drive the business and, um, you know, be high-performing and, you know, yeah. And um, I think I'm the type of person, Nick, that I'm very good with gut feelings, yes, and, um, you know, as much as we'll do 
very thorough due diligence. It's so important that we get the right partner and not somebody who's just in it for the short win. Like, yes, definitely. I could have made a lot of money in the three years that we've been in business had I not chosen to be there for the long term. But we don't want to be in partnership with people like that. We need patient capital and people who really believe in us and what we're doing. And then it'll all work out. Fantastic, Joe. Normally I would have said, how can people support your journey as a final sort of wrap-up question, but I think uh, you just stepped us uh, through that, um, articulating the areas of support you need, the type of investors. Uh, if people uh, are out there wondering how they can support you as as consumers and individuals, I think you outlined a couple of things there they can do, uh, you know, send messages to uh, suppliers, your politicians. What yep. else can they do? They can network. They can identify businesses that, you know, haven't made the switch. They can give us heads up around those opportunities. Equally, if anybody is invested, interested in investing, we'd love to hear from them. We have an email, invest at Planet Protector Packaging. I have to say, Nick, not a week goes by that I don't receive emails from little old grandmas or, you know, like <laughs> sort of nature's warriors. And, um, and people always reach out and say, we absolutely love what you're doing. Are you going to do any crowdfunding? Because we'd love to invest in you. And then we have people that say, your business is amazing. Would you like to sell? Um, so there's a lot of support. And these things, when the going gets tough and you have that sort of feedback coming in, it's very encouraging. Keeps so, you going, doesn't it? You it remember does. why you're in there in the first place because not every day is easy. Yes. And, um, you know, it's important to get that that positive feedback. Yeah, most definitely. So, But it's always a pleasure to chat with you, Nick. Like I'm so in awe of what you and Tim have achieved and I'm really looking forward to being a great ambassador for the Ocean Impact, you know, Pitch Fest. And, um, you know, I hope that we can collaborate over the next... 12 months to get the word out even more and you'll have many many more applicants businesses aspiring businesses like me to uh, maybe next year i'll come along and be a judge what do you think why don't why don't i offer you an invitation live right now joe to be a judge in the pitch fest uh, ocean impact pitch fest 2021 we'd love to have you i would be so excited thank you nick yeah <laughs> excellent so, yeah it's all good fun well, look, um, Joe, it's been so good to talk to you. Thank you for your kind words. Again, congratulations on taking out the Ocean Impact Pitch Fest 2020. We love what you're doing. Um, keep doing it. You've got that momentum. Momentum is so key. Um, anywhere where we can support your journey, uh, we will. If there's any of our listeners that think that they can uh, support you in any way, shape or form, investments, strategic connections, um, advice, uh, the lot, please reach out to Joe uh, or myself uh, and Ocean Impact Organisation. We can connect you there. Uh, Joe, one final thing. Um, you mentioned the change.org um, petition. Do you have a URL that you can share for that? I don't at the moment, Nick. It's not up yet. So, um, unfortunately, we're just developing it at the moment. But it will go live and it will be called You Beauty, E-W-E, -E, as in sheep, You Beauty. 
Okay, well, we'll we'll let people know through social channels when that's up and how they can how they can go to that petition and support what you're doing there. That would it's, be um, amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Thank Nick. You. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Joe. Great All to right. chat. Cheers. Right. Talk to you soon. Bye bye.